my biggest really like revelation in all of this is that like I have to love myself and not like any sort of like sort of superficial like you know I'm I'm in love with myself but like no I have to accept myself my dark side my shadow self like flaws and all and be like okay this is the person who I am and if it's not the person that I want to be then how do I work toward changing that um and so really like and so much of that required just like honest genuine introspection of me sitting down with a journal and figuring out who am I um and once I started to put some of those puzzle pieces together my relationships and polyamory got a lot easier welcome to normalizing non-monogamy The podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 189. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an awesome conversation with Bree, who was actually put in touch with us by Ryan from episode 181. So, You don't have to listen to Ryan's episode to listen to this one, but I would encourage you to, after you finish this one, go back and listen to Ryan's too. Yeah, for sure. I think just to reiterate that, it's not essential to listen to Ryan's episode. Brie is their own person uh, and their own story. Right. Exactly. There's so much in this interview. It is fantastic. They're super honest about the struggles and things that they've learned and mistakes that mm-hmm. they've made and all of it it's just it's so refreshing and amazing so thank you brie uh for your honesty and for coming on the show and for sharing everything you did with us um we greatly greatly appreciate it yeah it's amazing so we're really excited to obviously get this out there before we jump into the show a couple of quick announcements uh, first up, so we said this last week too, we don't have a virtual meet and greet coming up in July. We're taking this month off, but stay tuned because we will be announcing the next virtual meet and greet very soon. So come back and listen next week or the next couple of weeks, we will be announcing it. So don't worry, they are coming back. And again, those are open to everyone that wants to join and they're only $10. So be, stay tuned. The other thing we wanted to really quick talk about and say was a gigantic thank you to all of the Patreon supporters out there um, for helping us build an amazing community. Uh, If you're looking for a community around non-monogamy, maybe you're just getting into it and you are struggling to meet people that you just need support, whatever, uh, check it out. It's a couple bucks a month. We've gotten so much out of it. It's such a fantastic supportive community. And we do a lot of fun things. We do a monthly video Q&A. The next one is coming up on July 28th. July 28th. We also do a men's group and a women's group. We have calls coming up for those. Next week. Yeah, on- the 20th for the women's and the men's group is the 21st. Yeah. And so besides that, we have an ongoing MeWe chat group where people share all sorts of things, support one another through different difficulties or just cheer each other on in life. And it's an amazing community. And again, just thank you to everybody for being a part of it and for the support and the love um, for the show. Yeah. 
Yes. If it's something you're looking for, again, check it out. You can head to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon tab or just scroll down in the show notes of your podcast player. And there are direct links there to sign up and see if it's a good fit for you. Yes. And sorry I interrupted you there. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about, uh, stdcheck.com. Dot com. <laughs> it is our favorite way and it is the way that Emma and I get tested for STIs. It is super awesome. It is affordable. It's $130 now with the discount codes on our website. For a full panel test. Yeah, it's super easy. It's super fast. Uh, we've been using it for years. We love it. We've heard great things from other people who have used it. So, And using the links on our webpage, you get a discount and it supports the show. So thank you in advance for going and using those links. We really appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who has used them in the Yes, past. very much. If you love it and you've used it and you want to let us know, head over to our website and click on the Contact Us page. Send us a voicemail. If we can use it for the intro, uh, we would be hugely indebted to you and we'll find a way to hook you up with whatever um, besides besides our gratitude. <laughs> uh, and if you're wanting to use the codes, you can just head over to our website and click on the uh, resources tab and there will be links there for STD check. Or again, scroll down in your podcast player. There are direct links there as well. Again, our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Also there, you will find the contact us button where you can leave us a voicemail about anything else or send us an email as well. And podcast show notes, which include links and photos and lots of different things for all of the different episodes. So go check those out. There's a lot of information there. And yeah, it's, it's really cool. So go check our website out. And I think that's it. Let's head over and talk to Bree and we'll see everybody in the outro. Let's go. Uh, real quick, we're back. An <laughs> addendum? addendum? An addendum to the intro. Emma doesn't know what's happening. I just said, can you come back here and record with me? <laughs> I know what's happening. I know what happened. All right. So what happened is I talked the entire intro. Right. Which is And not... I kept trying to get a word in. And that's why I kept interrupting you. And then I apologized for interrupting you. But really, I was just trying to get a word in. <laughs> and so what I felt like was I needed to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> That I talked the whole damn time. I will say what is what is going on is uh, we're this is probably the closest to publication time we've ever recorded an intro and outro. Probably we're hitting a pretty close deadline. And so I kind of get a little hyper focused, <laughs> and I was just trying to get through it. And so I started talking and wouldn't shut up. Yeah, it's all good. Let's go talk to Bree. It's okay. I'm I, good. We can go now. I just wanted to say to you. <laughs> that I'm sorry that I talked the whole time. I appreciate and accept your apology. All right. Let's go talk to Bree, and we will see you all in the outro. Thank you for indulging me and my apologies <laughs> and to, our my beautiful, to my beautiful bride. Of course. Thank you. All right. Ready? Yes, let's go. We're just, we're just going to do it because this is going to be a fun conversation, and I'm super excited. So... Let's Bri just jump in. Yeah, Bree, thank you for being here. Uh, Ryan, thank you for putting us in touch with Bree. Um, if you haven't listened to Ryan's episode, we said this in the intro that hasn't been recorded yet, but <laughs> go be. back and listen to Ryan's episode um, to hear Ryan's version of Bree. And now we're going to get the real truth um, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> Straight but, from Bree. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's actually not quite like that. We were talking <laughs> off air about this, but anyway, I'll shut up. Welcome, Bree. Thank oh, you for thank being you here. Thank you for having me. I am so delighted to be here. Oh my goodness. This is, I've never been on a podcast before. So y'all are popping my podcast cherry. Um, yeah, same for us. This is our first time. So thank, 
Um, uh, well, I guess because the listeners, I guess they might know you from Ryan's episode, but can you start and just introduce yourself? Who is Bree? Well, um, hi. Yeah, I'm a 30-year-old trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, um, but I think I've kind of got a good idea of who I am. Uh, I am polyamorous. I am queer. I am non-binary. I am attracted to all the genders. Uh, I'm an avid outdoorsman and a lover of nature. I love to do hiking and canoeing and kayaking. And I recently was down in Florida and tried to paddleboard for the first time and had totally fell in love with the paddleboard and got to add that to my repertoire. Uh, I'm a forager. I'm a gardener. I'm a professional cook. Uh, I've actually spent 16 years in the restaurant industry, done every job that you could think of in a restaurant, but I am currently a cook. Um, I am also a cook as a like hobby. I do a lot of canning and fermenting and I recently tried my hand at winemaking and I've done some kombucha making and things of that nature. Um, One of these days I'll be brave enough to try beer, but I haven't, I haven't quite got there yet. Um, I am, and this will tie in a lot into my history. Uh, I am an ex-Catholic turned Wiccan, uh, raised in rural conservative Arkansas, where, you know, I'm sitting right in the middle of Trump country right now. Uh, I guess for the sake of your listeners, I'm uh, recording this inside my childhood home, my parents' house where they live. Uh, so this is it's a little bit of a strange, awkward place to be for this podcast, but say lovey. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. uh, And in terms of like being Wiccan, I ran a witchy homeschool program during the height of COVID. Um, That's probably my like crowning achievement to this day is I got to teach uh, six uh, young teenagers, you know, 13, 14 years old, um, all sorts of different things about nature and canning and baking, but also like from a Wiccan lens of like, well, this is, you know, mother goddess and this is you know, the spirits of nature and things of that nature. And I, I absolutely loved and adored every minute of it. Um, and I think it's inspired me to kind of, kind of move away from restaurants a bit and more into like outdoor education. I think that's where my next big career move is. Cool. That's amazing. Is that it? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Uh, I mean, I could go on, but we'll, we'll move into why we're here. That's that's, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. And I would just two, two things I want to say. One, I hope you have discovered that paddleboarding is better than kayaking. That's my personal belief. Mine too. Um, <laughs> okay, I my get, question, oh, my question ahead, about that is, is can you paddleboard in swift water creeks? Because I can kayak in a swift water creek. I guess we need to define swift water and I would need to try it. I have paddleboarded in a river. Okay. Uh, the, and also fell in. The downfall. <laughs> and, hold on. Let me, let me Let me tell my version. The trick to anybody listening who is like, what am I listening to? Uh, the trick to this is make sure you have a river fin for your paddleboard, which is a soft a soft fin, because when you hit trees that you can't see, uh, you go launched off the front of your board if your fin does not bend around that tree. Right. And that which is, is the fin on the paddleboard. There's two fins on a paddleboard <laughs> you. when I'm, when I'm paddleboarding. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. That's my thoughts. I would say I, I would let me just chime in all right. really quick. All right. I would say stand up paddleboarding is by far one of our favorite, one of my favorite things to do. Kayaking is also fun in certain circumstances. Sometimes there is a better situation for a kayak over a paddleboard. That's my personal opinion, but I love both. 
I, I think that's agree. the side I'm coming down on is yeah. like, uh, you know, paddle boarding in certain situations and kayaking in others. Uh, yeah. but I did really, I found the paddleboard to be a ton of fun while I was, uh, I was actually on Sanibel Island, Florida and got to see manatees and sea turtles with my uh, nesting partner's family. It was awesome. A, it was good that is time. one, that is one piece for sure. Uh, Cause we did the Florida Keys a bit. And when you're up higher, you, you can just see a lot more than when you're down on the kayak. And yeah, the kayak, so. For sure, for sure. All right. That was your first point? That was my first point. My <laughs> second point, when we launch the Normalizing Non-Monogamy Adventure Camp, I'm excited to have a cook now. Yes. And <laughs> I will come be your cook by all means. <laughs> and, and, and an outdoor educator in many capacities. So we are – I'm thrilled for this connection. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, – <laughs> Yeah, yeah, when y'all so when y'all come down to New Orleans and mm-hmm. do Ryan's dinner, I will I will be the cook for that dinner, and I will let y'all have some of my cooking. I'll make sure I'm there. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We look forward to it, and everybody listening is also invited to that, <laughs> that potluck. That that um, is a true story. He will take you all, every last one of you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think uh, just yeah, amazing to have you here. Um, you said before we started recording, unfortunately, that part of your story is when, if people listen to Ryan's side of it, it was, I said this, you didn't say this. You you were sort of painted, not necessarily as the bad guy, but like you played a bit of like, uh, you and him had a lot of tension at times. Oh yeah, and- for sure. For sure. And there's definitely... Still a lot of tension there, if I'm honest. Like, I I love him to death. He is such a giant part of my history and, like, my foundation and, like, who I am today. And uh, I'm very, very grateful for that, like, connection and bond that we have. But there there are times where we vehemently disagree about things and we fight and we argue. And it's not always healthy. Um, I'm, we're, we are both doing our absolute damnedest to, to make sure that we're not like toxic to the other person. And like, uh, you know, that we hear the other one out and respect boundaries and like navigating that. And I have faith and hope that we are getting better and better every year. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a complicated mess of a relationship. And I do think that that, uh, has a lot to come out of our origin story and how we, became poly and how we started uh this whole polyamorous situation with like just with no we were so so young like he paints he talks about me like I was this mythical logical older classman but when we met he was 18 and I was 20 it was not like I was a grown adult like by any way right. shape or form <laughs> I may have thought I was grown but I sure as heck was not grown um and yeah just like we did not have like, you know, this was, I was with Ryan for four years before I'd even heard of the, not of the book, the ethical slut. Like, you know, I was four years into being poly and having polyamorous relationships before somebody was like, Hey, Brie, have you ever read the book ethical slut? And I'm like, no, what's that? I need to read that. And, you know, and you know, or uh, the other book I really, that really helped me was uh, eight things I wish I knew about polyamory before I tried and fracked it up. Um, and that, that is my Bible now. That is my, if oh you think you want to date me, you think you want to be about this polyamorous lifestyle. Okay. Well, you have to read this book. And if you can't get through this 80 page book, then I'm sorry, we can't be together because this is not going to be the first book I swipe put under your nose until you have to read it. So, <laughs> um, 
yeah. And so I think like, I mean, I definitely acted in my own self-interest and I, I still act in my own self-interest a lot of time. I think that is, um, you know, and that's coming. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think where I sometimes fall short, uh, is in my, uh, being able to like step outside of my own ego and see the situation from other people's perspectives. Cause I get, sometimes I get so focused on the thing that I want or the situation that I want that I lose all perspective of anybody else around me. And that, that is a weakness that I, I have. And that uh, in the sort of like big crux of like mine and Ryan's relationship, when I moved to Tennessee uh, the first time, uh, I had to really like learn and like take uh, lessons away and yeah, like just step outside of my own ego for a second and realize that it's not all about me and that the the squishy human on the other side of the table has all the world going on in their head just as complicated as and intense as I do, you know? And so learning that was a really valuable lesson for me in so many ways. Um and I mean, I was actually like technically poly before Ryan and I got together. Uh, I'm going to, a lot of folks on the internet, on the like subreddit, po- the polyamory subreddit will disagree with me that people are not born, born poly. Poly is a lifestyle choice. Uh, but for me, it was something that I always felt that I was. I didn't have like words for it, but I remember being like, you know, mid to late high school and starting to date and have feelings for people and like crushing on two different people at the same time. And it's like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could just all hang out and like enjoy that relationship that way. And so when I got with, um, I'm going to call her Juniper Berry, uh, my first, uh, real love who taught me so many things. She was the, the first person to introduce me to the word polyamory or the word transgender or the word non-binary and all these, all these like tenants that I hold d- dear to my identity these days that like, and she just completely came and like blew everything out of the water about my conservative Catholic upbringing. Um, and so when I was dating Juniper Berry back in college, that was my first real honest attempt at, attempt at polyamory because she and I both had a, a history of, of cheating on our, our, current partner. And I was like, well, what if we just didn't call it cheating? You know, what if we just told each other about it and we were honest about it? And she's like, you know, that just might work. We could be polyamorous. And I was like, well, wait, wait, what, what's that word now? Like, and so, (laughs) um, that's how it all sort of got started. Um, and then Ryan of course got pretty immediately roped into that because I thought he was young and cute and a little awkward, but I like young and cute and a little awkward and just wanted to really like, and I, and I love the attention he gave me in our young, young years. Like just like this amount of like puppy dog, I'll follow you wherever you go, like love and adoration. And oh my goodness, was it such an ego stroke to just have this young, younger guy think that I was the end all be all and like the hottest shit on the planet. Um, and like, so I definitely sort of like encouraged that in the young years of like, you know, oh yeah, I'm cool and fun and sexy and come be a part of my polyamorous triad. Like, but yeah, uh, relationships without boundaries are not, not good guys. That is, that is <laughs> definitely a rule, rule number one I have learned in terms of polyamory. Um, 
I think another rule I have learned in polyamory is don't bring monogamous people into polyamory. Um, Cause man, man, they're, they're monogamous partners that did have done their number on my, um, my relationship with Ryan. I didn't, and and I, I take responsibility for like letting that toxic relationship interfere with another one of my uh, relationships, but it was, uh, yeah, like definitely lessons learned there. Um, well, and, and like you said, kind of like leading into this again, before we hit record was like, and you just kind of touched on it was the lack of boundaries. And like, you had no idea what you were doing, right? Like you, you were with Juniper Berry and she was like, Hey, we could do this. And you're like, Hey, I guess we're doing this. And like, and you were off to the races, but there was no, there was no structure. There was no understanding of what it could be. You were just writing the rules as you went along, which I don't. And you're also a teenager, right? You're trying to figure out oh, all yeah. of this. I was for the 19 first when Juniper and I got together. Like I was, you know, I, I was a sophomore in college. Like I was on my own for the first time and actually, and also just getting out of this really like terribly toxic, abusive relationship from like small town, Arkansas, and just like stepping away from all that. And, you know, Mobile, Alabama seemed like the big city, like, you know, from where I was sitting. And then, yeah. And yeah, it was completely like, and that, that was Juniper's personality too. She was just go, go, go sharp as a whip, but like a million miles an hour and I'm similar. And so it was like, yeah, no, we're smart enough to figure this out as we go along. We'll just make up the rules. Sure. What, you know, um, and having no real idea even that there were resources out there because I was just a freak. We were the only ones like this, right? Like, you know, um, and just having, no, no real sense of self and no sense of self limit. And I really do attribute a lot of that to being just young and dumb. Um, but you know, a few years down the line, I got myself into therapy and found myself a really good therapist. And she was like, you have, you struggle with boundaries. You really don't know when to keep people out of your life. And you really don't know when to step too closely into somebody else's and you should really figure that out. Like, and working on that. And it's a, it's a constant struggle for me. And like, I, I get better and better at it every year. Like, uh, with bear, my, my Dom and current play partner, um, you know, we, in the beginning had to renegotiate boundaries a couple of times of like, no, I'm not okay with this. Or this is uh, not in terms of like anything like kinky. Uh, we were actually really good there in terms of boundaries and, and consent and things like, cause you know, you've been, we've been educated. We've took classes on this guys. Um, <laughs> and like, um, but in terms of like how much time we were willing to commit to one another, uh, cause this is his real first foray into poly and I've already got two established partners and you know, one of whom I spend a fair amount of time with and there's only seven days in a week and I need at least one to two days to myself to recharge and see my, my friends who are just as important to me as my, uh, my partners. And, you know, it's really important that I maintain those platonic friendships, uh, as much as it is that I maintain my romantic relationships. Uh, and so, you know, that's, couple of days here and a couple of days to partner a and a couple of days to partner B. Yeah. That means, man, you get me for maximum of two days, like a week. And, you know, and so that like sort of like renegotiating of boundaries is some, is a conversation that I've been become more and more comfortable with, uh, with each passing year. And, you know, there's times where I get really, if I find myself frustrated in a poly style situation, or I don't know how to communicate my feelings, I wind up picking up the, uh, you know, eight things I wish I knew about polyamory. And I'm like reading 
back through it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, got to remember, Brie, can't be feel guilty about your feelings that, you know, uh, what you feel is okay and valid and justified and all those sort of things. Um, Cause that is not how I was raised or what, and I have to really override that mindset um, a lot of the times and rewrite those tapes as my, my therapist would say. Shout out, shout out to this sweet woman. Um, her name is, her name is Joan Ellen and she's the only therapist that did me any lick of good and just, Oh my goodness. She's such a sweet, sweet old lady. And I I, I love that woman to death. So anyway, (laughs) no, I think, yeah, uh, just, yeah. Well, what I was curious about (laughs) is, you know, you, we've talked a little bit about your, um, those early years and everything, but how you've mentioned that you grew up Catholic. Yes. How how do you think that your childhood affected how you went into those relationships? And I guess how did oh, you move past some of that? Yeah, no, it's it's hard cuz like my parents got married basically right after my mother was out of high school and they they celebrated their 32nd wedding anniversary yesterday and like that's all they've ever known and that was all I knew and it's a a very gendered relationship too. My mom is was a stay at home housewife and, you know, cooks and cleans and maintains the the flower beds. But my dad is the, the bring home the bacon provider, you know, and does the yard work, but, you know, isn't going to change diapers and just like very, a very gendered existence and a very monogamous existence tied into, um, you know, my parents don't really have identities outside of them outside of each other. Like they are a unit. They are who they are together and with an ampersand in the middle of their names, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and, and so I tend to get really attached in relationships really early on um, as a result. And always, I always have to kind of check myself and put, take a step back and be like, okay, we can't get too caught up in the NRE, you know, like all these real heady feelings. And that's one, that's another rule I've learned, uh, since, uh, post moving to Tennessee and my kind of first breakup with Ryan, um, is, uh, never pack anything bigger than a suitcase during the, uh, like high points of NRE. Uh, cause I definitely, you know, Move state lines a couple of times. Uh, I've lived in six different uh, states in the last 10 years. And most of those major moves were for relationships, um, including my move to New Orleans. I moved to New Orleans to be with Ryan, like twice, actually. Um, And so just really listening to what I want to do and being honest with myself and my feelings and acknowledging them and staring them down in the face and processing them before I emote emotionally, emotively dump on a partner um, has been, it's really important for me is to take that time and be introspective and to have a good, healthy relationship with myself before I can go off and have a a romantic relationship with anyone, let alone three separate people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think maybe to kind of like build on that. And one of the thoughts that I had was, it touches on two pieces that you said. One was don't don't bring monogamous people into a polyamorous relationship. And two, that like the the maybe the connotation or the idea that you going into this with no no idea what you were doing was the wrong way to do it. And I'm 
like I know no one said that, but maybe there was the perception that like you didn't really figure it out until you read all these books and you did all the research. But I think like to somebody listening who is maybe monogamous and is like, I haven't read any of these books, so I'm clearly not I can't do polyamory. But I think just I don't to- think that that's true, like necessarily. Like I wouldn't say it was necessarily the wrong way I did it. I mean, feelings were hurt. Um, but it, obviously like my feelings were hurt and Ryan's feelings were hurt and there were a whole bunch of other like secondary folks in this mix whose feelings were hurt. And like, so yeah, there's definitely like, there is no right way to do polyamory, but there's probably definitely a wrong way to do polyamory and flying in blind definitely is more toward that wrong than that. Right. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think that. I would say it was like, for me, there was no other way to dive in other than head first. I am a kind of like leap before you look type mm-hmm. of person in so many levels. And I get really like that. That is my nature in almost everything I do. And then I'll get like, you know, waist deep in something and realize that I maybe have bit off a little more than I can chew. And that that is that is my character flaw to own and to make my own, but it does not surprise me in any way, shape or form that that's how I fell into the polyamorous lifestyle, like just to dive straight off the deep end. Um, and I respect folks who have the ability to be more subtle or more incremental or to, you know, maybe think about things before they just go and do, but it is, it is not something that connects with me really and truly. And maybe, maybe like a better way to ask the question I didn't maybe do a great job. It's like, because you had some experience and like, we're going to do this. Like we can figure this out. Like I'm a kind human. Uh, Juniper Berry is a kind human. Like we'll figure this out. And then you started reading the books. Were there points where you were like, yeah, I get what they're saying, but like, I don't know, like kind of, I think we've got it figured out a little better. Or we realize it gives you that perspective that like, yes, this author, this author is just another person who found a way that worked for them and probably had talked to a lot of people. And obviously there's research in there, but like, it's not going to be, you know, the answer for everybody isn't like, well, if you read the ethical slut, you'll be good at polyamory. Absolutely. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, so for me, like, I'm sorry. I just, I kind of like my train, my train of thought just spazzed y'all. Um, mm-hmm. can you just restate your question, Finn real, real quick? I don't think I really had a great question. In there. I think it, was, it was really just, it was really just around the notion that like, I, I kind of wanted people to take away that you, you don't have to read every book on polyamory that exists and listen to every podcast on polyamory that exists to do this. Like absolutely and it, not. And there's plenty of people who have never, never read any of these books and do poly just fine. Um, for me, I was kind of an asshole and I think I needed to learn like the rules of the game and how to like play fair, uh, mm-hmm. in the beginning. And I think that was, and, and part of that was, you know, being it mo- like toxic monogamy culture and like how I was raised and just like, I thought that like everything had to be this way. It was still kind of chasing a happily ever after and like really unhealthy, unproductive ways. And so like reading the book for me and I've, I've always had that like impulse. Like if I've got a question about something, Oh, I go do research. Or if I've had a, you know, if I'm interested in a topic, I'll go read a book or listen to a podcast or, you know, I am just constantly craving knowledge. I am such a 
purveyor and collector of knowledge. Uh, I want to learn all the things. Um, and so consulting a book felt norm- very normal and natural for me and my learning style and how I engage it. But, uh, you know, for folks who maybe aren't like quite as like touched in the head as I am and who didn't necessarily need to go through a decade of therapy to, to figure out what they wanted from life. Like, uh, you know, it might be a little more organic. Uh, I take things from such a, such an intellectual lens. And that's actually one of my, my issues in, in polyamory is I want to, I don't want to acknowledge the feelings which are inherently irrational. Uh, you know, like, you know, I don't want to acknowledge that I'm feeling jealous right now because jealousy is a stupid emotion and I don't, I don't want to deal with my stupid emotions. Like, and, and that's a very like much younger, younger Brie that, uh, you know, I'm talking like 22, 23 year old Brie. Um, and so, uh, you know, we learn and grow as change as humans. And I'll be the first to admit I am a deeply flawed, fucked up individual. Um, but I'm also fun. I'm also a good time. <laughs> your poison, you know, <laughs> like, and I've got redeeming qualities too, but <laughs> we all have our things, right? We all have our struggles and we're all human. And I think it's, it's, that's okay. And, um, it's learning all of those things about yourself and being confident in those, in those things as well. And it's all part of the journey. Yeah. And I, I am so blessed and fortunate to have had Ryan through so much of those younger years of me still figuring myself out and things. Cause he, he's such an enormous capacity to, to look past people's flaws and to love the, the rawness for who they are underneath and also to forgive and to allow people to hurt him and, but also, you know, to come back and say, I'm sorry. And I messed up. And, um, I mean, he's, he's done this re- repeatedly with many people in his life, not, not just me. Um, and yeah, his, his, uh, he's an immense capacity to understand and put himself in the perspective of the other person and forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really crucial to our, our healing. Um, probably, I guess it's been almost four years. I've lived in Tennessee for four years now. So three, four mm-hmm. years ago. Um, yeah, I realized that maybe we should have done this at the beginning. And I don't know what question you were going to ask. I interrupted you. But I was wondering if you could just do a very somewhat brief overview of your like your relationships over the last 10 years. So that yeah, gives people some context. Because yeah, so, I think I've been poly in earnest for about a decade now. Yeah. Uh, Juniper and I probably got uh, got together in 2010. And we're pretty much open from the beginning. Uh, but it was all very, very casual. You know, I went out of the country and so she hooked up with my roommate for two weeks and then like I came back into the country and then we all three hooked up and it was, you know, it was very, just so young, um, and crazy college kids getting into crazy college kids things. And, um, let's see, that was, so that was my sophomore year of, of college. And then I met Ryan my junior year. And he, he definitely picked me and like was pretty much attached to me. And I was like, all right, well, come along for the ride, you know, sort of thing. And then, so it was Juniper and Ryan and me for a little while, we all like hooked up and they kind of dated each other while I was seeing this sort of, I don't don't even think this man needs a name, but he was kind of a douchebag of a dude that I was seeing in Houston 
really broke my heart and gave me all sorts of like, like I, I developed more insecurities as a result of that relationship already being in this super precarious, like insecure, mentally ill place. Um, that's a bit of other advice that I think I would start for anybody. I'm not saying that you have to be perfectly mentally healthy to be in a relationship, but if you are too mentally ill to like take care of your own basic wellness, that you really don't need to be in relationships. Like that's because that, that, that was at least my, my rela- uh, lessons learned. Cause I was always trying to like solve my mental health problems with another relationship. And that, that doesn't work. <laughs> I had to go to therapy. That's what, that's what that were required. Um, and so after got rid of that douchebag, I'm trying to think it was, I moved, I moved back up to my parents for one summer uh, in 2014 after I was done with school. And that was a pretty miserable low point in my life. Uh, just being, being back and, Moved back down to Mobile, Alabama, um, and moved in with an old college friend. And then had started up a third relationship with the guy. We're just going to call him Toxic Boy Scout. He was very terribly toxic and monogamous and insecure about everything. And and that was that, that, like that's the one thing I will say when Ryan recounted. I don't think he maybe even realized like the level of like gaslighting and abuse was that was in that relationship at the time. It was all very like psychological. It was never like, he never hit me. Um, the guy was about as big as I was. I was not afraid of him in a fight. Like, and I told him that a couple of times. Um, but like, um, you know, it would like, I'd go to see Ryan, I'd get on a mega bus in the week uh, for the weekend for my weekend out to go see Ryan. Um, and I was very honest with this guy too, at the top of our relationship. I'm like, look, my name's Bree. I'm polyamorous. I'm non-binary. I'm bisexual. And if you've got anything like wrong with those things, then we just should not even start this. And he's like, no, I think I can handle that with like having no clue what any of that meant. Like just like clean over his head, like good old Southern boy from South Mississippi ain't got no idea. Um, and he, I'm sorry, y'all. I swear I went to college. I'm educated in like like grammar, but living in in Tennessee, it's just brought out all <laughs> Southern Appalachia like sensibilities about me. Um, but uh, yeah, and things in that relationship were good for a time. He seemed to be pretty okay with the idea of me going out of town to see my girlfriend in Houston and going out of town to see my boyfriend in New Orleans. And while I was in Mobile, we could be together. And then. Uh, Really, after that summer, when I came back to Mobile, after living in my parents' house, uh, he kind of clamped down a little bit and became less okay with me traveling because it was his senior year of school and we were going to settle down and get married. And I was like, no, man, that's not what I'm about, you know, and he's like, what do you mean you're not about it? And so, like, things just kind of started, like, shifting, like, the new the new relationship energy feelings wore off and we realized we had very different life goals. Um, and so there'd be times where I would go to visit Ryan, you know, I'd get on a mega bus to go to new Orleans and he, this, this other dude, toxic boy scout would just be crying in uh, his dorm room about how he couldn't bear to see me go and how he was going to kill himself if I left and just over and over and over again. And like, I wanted out of that relationship so badly, tried to break up with him multiple, multiple times. Cause I was like, okay, this is not working. We are just not compatible with each other. And he would threaten to kill himself. And, and like, you know, and I was not, did not really have the emotional, like 
maturity and awareness to uh, realize that he was emotionally manipulating me, that that was, he was saying that just to get me to stay. But at the time I was very concerned for his safety and worried that this dude was going to kill himself while I was out of town and it was going to be my fault and like, ah, Catholic guilt, Um, you know? And so, um, yeah. And so that's how I wound up going to this Boy Scout job in New Mexico because he wanted me to cook there. And I was really sick of my life there uh, in Mobile, Alabama and working for homophobic chicken. And like... That's the, that's um, the best name for Chick-fil-A I've ever heard. You're, you're welcome to have it. It's not mine. There's, there's actually this really cute girl, because I worked in a mall at Chick-fil-A, um, like a Chick-fil-A mall unit. And uh, this girl who worked at Victoria's Secret in the mall, she's like, no, my family calls it ex- exclusively homophobic chicken. We call it nothing else in the family. It is called hate chicken or homophobic chicken. And that's it. <laughs> well, I guess um, I guess there goes our opportunity to get sponsored by them. Thanks. Right? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Bree. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'll, I'll take that one all its own. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I was just sick of my life in Mobile, Alabama for all sorts of reasons. Really wanted to break up with this dude who was making my life hell um, and making my relationship with Ryan very stressed and tense in a way that I just did not want but didn't really know how to stop because um, I was just convinced that if they could be friends, they would work it all out. Like if, if toxic boy scout could see that Ryan wasn't a bad guy. And if Ryan could see that toxic boy scout wasn't a bad guy, that we would all just get along and things would be okay. And then I brought toxic boy scout to uh, Ryan's house and he tried to take a swing at him in Ryan's kitchen. And that was, you know, I'm not about to let somebody hurt Ryan. I don't care who, who, who you are, but that's not going to happen. especially not in front of me. Like, and so Yeah, I really needed to end things with this dude, but I was so afraid that he would kill himself. And he told me that New Mexico was the only place he had friends. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go out to that camp. I'm going to make money. I'm going to dump your ass and you're going to be your friend's problem. And that was, that was the game plan going to New Mexico for the first time in 2016. And, you know, and I knew that like my relationship with Ryan was kind of in shambles and that we really needed to fix it. And I was like, look, if we have to, we'll close things off. We'll be monogamous. I want to focus on us and get us fixed before we proceed in any way, shape or form. And then I broke that promise because I went up to New Mexico. I broke up with toxic boy scout and hooked up with his roommate who we will call less toxic boy scout. Um, and like, he's act- actually, no, that's, that's not funny. That's not fair to him. He's actually a pretty, pretty a, a grade dude, but he uh, is very monogamous and looking for his forever person. And we were just not really ever, ever compatible. Um, but I did crush on him really hard, fell hell- head over heels in love with him and I think that a lot of that was circumstance. Like you, when you work at scout camp, there's the same 50 people that you see day in and day out. And most of them are underage. And so he and I were the same age and, you know, spent a lot of time getting high on, under the co- cover of night and chatting and bonding. And, but we, we should have really only have ever been friends. It was such a terrible, terrible move on my part to like, fall head over heels in love with this guy and like uproot my entire life from new Orleans up to, uh, and this is, this is a funny story because I originally thought I was moving to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I was like, yes, New Mexico is so exotic. And I love the desert. And then he moved to Cookville, Tennessee. And I said, where the hell is that? And, um, <laughs> and then, but I went 
went with him anyway, mostly because I didn't have anywhere else to go. It was like, stay with Ryan where he was obviously unhappy and I was obviously unhappy. And we were just like sick of beating our heads against this wall, against the wall and the six month, like dredge of misery or move back in with my parents who, you know, are upset that I'm like 30 and not married and have three, four five kids yet, you know? Um, like, and so yeah, I moved up there and that relationship lasted for just shy of two years. And I saw, I mean, I was still kind of seeing Ryan. We were in a really, really nebulous, weird spot there. Like I would come into town and he would come into town and we still had these like really intense, deep feelings for each other. And, but you know, the thing, things were weird and we just needed to take time and heal and kind of both grow as individuals. I needed to like pull my head out of my ass a little bit and like stop thinking about just what I wanted and he really needed to be comfortable standing on his own um, because, and I know this is hard to believe for people who know Ryan as he is in his current form, but he was a, such a wallflower. He used to, you know, he had a really bad stutter if he talked to people and just could not like manage to put himself out there in any sort of social crowd. So he would, he would find the cool events. Like he and I could go to this really cool venue, but I was going to do all the talking and I was going to make all the new friends because I was the social butterfly. And it's, it's kind of different because we, in so many ways we've like switched roles now, whereas I'm the the more introverted partner who needs like quiet time with a book. And he is just going to party till 4am till the sun comes up till whenever come find him later. Um, and, and yeah, so it's been a, we, it has been like almost like a re getting to know each other, but, uh, my, so the, the other boy scout boy scout number two, um, was pretty okay with that relationship in terms of polyamory. Cause I, you know, once again with him, I was like, hi, I'm poly. My name's Bree. I'm polyamorous. I'm queer as fuck. Like if you can't handle these things, like I, I am not shy about who I am to, to anyone on this earth. I am very unapologetically me. Um, and so many people say that they can handle that until they can't. Um, and like, and I don't really blame them. I'm a lot like I'm, I'm a lot. It's okay. Yeah. So, so the second boy scout was like pretty okay with like Ryan being a part of my life because he predated him. He came before, before him. Um, but when I tried to add a new partner who was really just a, like a mostly like sexual, like a dominatrix type of relationship, uh, he flipped out, shut down, couldn't handle it, couldn't do it. Like, like, I feel like I'm losing you. I don't know how this works. Like just shut down, um, you know, gave him the books and he's like, okay, I understand what these books are saying. I can agree with the logic, but I still don't understand how it works. And I think when he was saying, when I say, I don't understand how it works, it's like, I don't understand how I do this. Um, you know, and I tried to help him be Polly. I set him up an account on Bumble and like wrote his like bio. Cause I, I, I still think that he's a great guy. I absolutely wish the best for this man. I think he is very sweet and genuine and kind and honest. I just think that he's looking for his forever person and I'm looking for my tribe, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, it gets kind of awkward cause we don't, we're not together anymore and we don't talk anymore, but we live in the same small town with 30,000 people. Uh, and you, you bump into each other more often than you might think, but it's okay. We're, we're amicable and our mutual friends, you know, they'll, 
you know, they'll text me, they'll be like, yo, he's here, just heads up. And, you know, we, we, we're, we're, we play nice in public. Um, but, uh, so yeah, when that relationship and that relationship finally ended because I was, so after this one, I guess, indiscretion with this, this dominatrix type situation, um, I was like, no, we'll, we'll be monogamous. I mean, I'm still with Ryan, but I won't, I won't take on any new partners. I won't. I'm sorry. Like if it makes you happy, if it makes you secure, or at least until you find someone else. And I'm like, and I know that's not really like good poly practice, like to keep up like the even number of partners, but I was hoping that once he took like dipped his toe into poly, that he'd be a lot more comfortable and secure in it. And he just wasn't interested in it. He's like, this is not what I want to do. Um, and so I cheated. Um, I'll be real open and honest and upfront about that. Um, it was not an intentional cheating. I wanted to like, I started this relationship with somebody like it was very casual and flirting. And I told, uh, the boy scout, I was like, yo, I'm kind of into this guy. And he, I was like, would you rather me tell you when I sleep with him or would you not, do you want to take a don't ask him tell approach? And he's like, Oh no, I want to know. I absolutely want to know. And I was like, okay, cool. I will absolutely tell you. And then we, uh, new guy who is actually now nest nester nesting partner. Um, and I hooked up the day before boy scout and I were supposed to go on a two week vacation, uh, through Canada. We were going on a road trip through Canada and I was like, okay, this is not the time sitting in a car on a road trip through Canada. I will tell you when we get back. And then it was not even the next day. And because it's a small town, he bumped into somebody like at the gas station and she, she was absolutely like hammered. I don't even know if she remembers this incident, but she's like, do you know your girlfriend slept with so-and-so and da 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 And it just all came out in this really nasty, ugly way. And he's like, you lied to me. I asked you very specifically to tell me if it happens. And he's like, no, this is over. And that was another like big lesson learned is like, I need to really live up to my promises and I need to openly communicate and every relationship since, cause that ended in fall of 2018. And so every relationship moving forward, I've, I've been very conscientious to sit down, have a conversation. What are you looking for? What do you, what do you want from this relationship? If I do this, does this upset you? If I do this, do you wait? We need to talk about it. And like, it's just, and I get better and better and better with every new relationship I take on. So I have a lot of faith, I suppose that I am, I'm actually maybe not going to just be this selfish asshole for the rest of my life and might actually be able to do poly without hurting other people's feelings. Um, or at least, you know, be able to have a conversation about hurt feelings in the process instead of it being a, a terrible or ordeal relationship ending ordeal. Um, and so, yeah, that was almost three years ago. We're, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021. Yeah. So almost three years ago, um, haven't really had, so there's, there's, you know, Nest, uh, Nestor was a very, started off as a very casual, more like, uh, he was my hiking buddy and, you know, we get a little frisky in the woods sometimes. It was a very like sort of casual friends with benefits thing, um, for about a year. And then I moved back down to new Orleans in the fall, late fall of 2019, and he stayed in contact 
And when I moved back to Tennessee in spring of 2020, it was just like things were suddenly more serious. Like we really missed each other and we had this really good stable foundation for a relationship to like maybe move into like a dating type relationship. And I really do attribute that on so many levels for he has very good boundaries. He is about it on the boundaries of like, no, that's your emotional problem and you are going to have to deal with this or like, no, you're trying to take on too much right now. Like this is my issue to deal with. And he is really good at calling me out and setting good boundaries and like talking to me. He's like, well, how do you think that so-and-so would feel about that when I was like taking on? And he's, he's, I don't know. He's great. Cause he's, um, never really had tried poly before me. He was open to the idea of like ethical non-monogamy. I think he, in that he was like, I'm not really going to date anyone. If someone wants to come and fool around well, we can, I'm down to clown, whatever, but I'm not going to commit myself to one person for the rest of my life. And I was like, cool. Cause that's not what I want. Um, but, uh, we are now in like a really like sort of committed relationship, uh, which is kind of, it surprises both of us. Cause I was like, wait, at the top of this, didn't we say we weren't doing a relationship? Weren't this isn't what we're not doing, <laughs> you know? And, uh, like, and, and now we do the domestic thing where we like make breakfast together and go on vacations with his family and, you know, and it's, uh, it's been a very nice, pleasant, uh, change and shift to have this stability. Cause he and Ryan get along really well. They, uh, Nestor is a very quiet, private person. Um, but when Ryan comes into town, he makes sure, you know, to say hi and to spend a little like quality time with a meta. And it's, it's very, very cute and very chill, which is important for me. Cause mm-hmm. I, there was so much like upheaval and drama to like, get to where I am today um, that it feels really nice to like trust that, you know, I've been with Ryan for eight years and we are going to continue to be together in some way, shape or form. We just are still figuring out what that looks like. Uh, And then Nestor and I go in together three years strong and doesn't really seem to be any issue. He's the biggest poly advocate now. And I love it. Like, cause he just by nature of where we are in rural Tennessee, like poly what now? Like, are you one of them polygamous? You know, it's, it's very like uneducated in terms of like queer and poly issues. And he's just the biggest little advocate ed- educating his, you know, Christian conservative friends and coworkers. And just, I, I love how not uh, unapologetic he is about it. Um, Yeah. And then there's been a few like little side relationships here and there. I think I pretty much tap out at like two and a half relationships where I'd say that polyamory is like juggling. I can do two and a half, like two and a half, three balls. And like the real talented people might be able to pull off four or five, but you can only have so many balls in the air at once, you know? Um, right. There's only so much time in the day. Yeah. There are seven days in a week and, you know, yeah. and I've got to work and take care of myself and have good friendships and, you know, uh, all that sort of thing. So yeah, that's, I think kind of basically present day, uh, yeah. where, where we're at. Um, yeah. You, li- you live with Nestor 
and you have you're still in a relationship with Ryan, but he lost a long distance relationship, and then you have the partner Bear that is more of a play partner. You said, he, yeah, he's a play partner, um, and I think that he would be open to the more idea of dating. Uh, but we've already had, and this is back on this whole like boundaries and things because we we have different ideas of like what your so called like primary partner might look like, and I I'm not his like we're not super compatible for that. Mm-hmm. Like, and he is talking to another. A lovely, delightful human, and I'm I'm hope I'm rooting for him that it'll maybe uh, mature into more of a like long term committed partner for him. Because uh, right now I'm just down to clown and down to play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I do love him. Like I have, he's a very good friend of mine, and he's very kind and compassionate and good. And we all sort of operate in this small town community of, of artists and vendors and things like I've got a friend who makes jewelry and I've got a friend who does uh, herbal dyes and I've been doing, you know, different uh, canning and fermenting and things. And, uh, you know, and he does welding and I've got another friend who's a blacksmith and we all get together and we have these, these arts and crafts fairs in our local community. And so he is important to me outside of our like BDSM relationship, but he is, that is, his primary role to me in terms of like sexual relationships and romance. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you for going through all of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope that made it a little more, more clear. So I, I think so. Um, I had a question, you know, you said you are currently in your childhood home. You're with your, yes. you're with your family. Yes, yes. And yet you're, you're, you grew up in very conservative area, always have been, but yet you are unapologetically you. How has that gone with your family? Uh, so my family is probably the, when interacting with my family, and I make it a point to come home about once a year, it is the least I get to be myself. Um, I am still me. I still refuse to like conform to their standards. They're going to say stuff about it. Like every time I come home, they say something about my hair being too short and my having too many piercings in my ears and all these t- terrible tattoos I put on my body. And like, um, and you know, and why ain't you married yet? And who is this boy, you know, this boy you brought home? Wait, what do you mean you're not dating him? Cause for the sake of simplicity with my parents, he's my friend. He's my friend. Mm-hmm. Can't be like high, high Catholic parents. This is my dom. He beats me every Tuesday. Like, you know, like, <laughs> um, I think my mother would clutch her pearls and die of a heart attack. Um, but uh, we, you know, and they, they still call me she and ma'am. And the, my mother is the only person on this planet who still calls me Brianna, um, which is okay. It's it, <sighs> My therapist said that I have to accept them for the people that they are, not that the people I wish them to be. And so it's a lot about of accepting them for where they are and accept that they live in rural small town Arkansas and are very active in their community and church and that they're always going to be like that. And they're not just going to suddenly one day wake up and become like pro-choice trans supporting allies, you know, like that's just not who they are and that's not what it's going to be. And so it doesn't do any good for me because for a great many number of years, I was very angry at like, how can y'all be like this? And I took it so personal as a personal rejection of me and who I am. But like, I'm not out to my parents. My, my dad knows that I'm bisexual and I actually like knew that he met, uh, found a, uh, he made a, a very clever joke about it. And I was like, Oh, you have accepted me, dad. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. And my, my dad has a greater uh, capacity 
to accept people for who they are. And it might be like his sister is gay. And like, so that like may have helped, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but my, my poor, my mother just can't, if it's not, you know, if it's not blessed by the Pope, she just can't get behind it. And like, it's, so it, it is hard. It's this like tug of war song and dance that we do. So, you know, I do my best to like keep my tone, even kilter and say, yes, ma'am, you know, and just, but, but that is, that is, you know, I've been here, I've been with them for three days and it's three days out of my, my year to make my, my mother happy who did raise me. And they, they weren't abusive. They did a good job. They just come at the world from such a crazy different lens than I do. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a valid lens to live through the world, even if I disagree with it. And so it's, it's kind of like an agree to disagree with my parents specifically. Um, now, when it comes to, you know, my working at Chick-fil-A was the last place I ever hid myself in a job. Like, you know, I took all my piercings out. I made sure my tattoos were covered. I made sure my hair was normal, natural colors and, you know, up to like standards. I wore makeup. That's the last time I wore makeup was in 2016. Um, I own makeup. I will do my friend's drag makeup, but like makeup will not go on my face ever again. Um, and like, um, and just you know, and so when I go to work out with the Boy Scouts on my backpack, it says they, them pronouns, and I'm going to use they, them pronouns, and they are going to respect that, or we're going to have problems. And mm-hmm. yeah. being the person who feeds everybody in the camp, I have a little bit of sway and power. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, just, um, so yeah, and sometimes it's challenging, especially in small town Tennessee, where I look different and talk different and dress differently. And, you know, being in New Orleans, New Orleans is like a sanctuary because everybody down there is weird and people don't even look at me twice. Like I can walk around or bike around on the street and people are like, I like your hair. And that's all that's ever going to happen. But in, in Tennessee, there have been times where I've felt not necessarily unsafe. That's a strong word, but like, Oh, we might need to tuck the plumage in a bit because we're peacocking in a, in an area full of foxes, you know, like, and just, mm-hmm. just, we don't want to look like, yeah. So it's, it very becomes like a way of reading my audience. I'm always me, but whether like my plumage is out for all to see or kind of more like tucked up and down, it's a, it's a, you know, cause it, it does become like a, a self-preservation tactic in so many right. ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. And with, uh, but with my friends, you know, you respect my pronouns or get the fuck out. Like you, you know, or you're with me or you're against me. And if you can't accept me for who I am, then we, this relationship can't exist. And so that's why my tribe is so important. Uh, my, like, like my, my best friend and brother, like he's not my blood brother. I call him my, uh, the little brother of the universe knew I wanted, but I didn't. Um, and he, you know, is just such a loving, supporting human. And he also comes from a very conservative family who he has, I mean, his dad was in the KKK, like level of like rural fucked up South. Um, and so, you know, he's cut all ties with his family and is basically an orphan. So we're kind of like orphans together and like, you know, building that tribe and building that community where you can really be who you want to be and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I, I found it in rural Tennessee of all places. There's these, 
this good old bunch of mountain hippies who are like, we don't care who you are. Just come on, come on in, you know? And it's just, it's such a lovely, beautiful, accepting, vibrant community that I have stumbled my way into um, Mm -hmm. that I really do feel like welcomed and accepted. So. And do you think that like having that acceptance and that community behind you, having your back makes it, easier to go back home and like you said, tuck the, tuck the plumage in a little bit. And, or when you go into certain areas where you're like, okay, look, I know I can be a lot and I'm still me, but like, it's okay to dial it back. Cause I know, I know I can let it out around the people who really matter to me. Yeah, it does certainly make it easier in those situations. Um, And, you know, when I was and but I will also like I've in the past, I think I've like compromised a little too much in spaces. One of one of my mantras for 2021 is like create space with intention. And so if it doesn't if it doesn't exist, build it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so like if I want a space where I feel safe and wholly accepted, I have to cultivate it. And the places where I know there is no like, uh, you know, like no good, good fertile soil for that type of existence uh, to just move on. And it's just not worth it. And like, I, I love my family for who they are, but we, you know, our, our, our relationship on so many levels is skin deep and mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it is. And that's how it's always going to be. And yeah, which, with each passing year, it's less painful, you know? And I do think that having that tribe and community is really a part, like a big uh, medicine for it in so mm-hmm. many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, and that's a hard, that's really hard to get to, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're actively, basically you're trading in your, I don't know if you listen to Dan Savage, but you're trading in your biological family for your logical family. And yeah. you're not necessarily trading them in, but you're, you're reprioritizing and you're saying like, I'm not, you haven't like said, mom, dad, I'm never coming home again because you still call me she, but like, I'm going to come home once a year. And when I do, like, you're not going to see the, you're not going to see your, your kid the way that the rest of the world sees your kid. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. And that that's where I'm at and that's where I'm accepting. And, you know, I have, I have hope that maybe one day, they might come around still, but I, I don't hold out for it. And it certainly has no like bearing on me. And like, like I no longer crave their approval in a way that I did 16 through 26, you know, like it was a few years ago. I like sort of had a real sort of breakthrough on that and being like, Oh, I I can do whatever I want. Their opinion doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, um, yeah. Um, and that really helped with my relationships because I know in my my young years, I was always bringing home somebody to make sure that they thought they were socially acceptable for me to marry, you know, sort of thing. And of course, my parents are not into the guys that I'm into. Why, why would they be, you know, they because they're OK with calling me they and being poly and like, why would my parents like somebody like that, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, just like. Meeting, meeting them on their terms and meeting, but also refusing to compromise myself and kind of finding this safe middle ground. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. A, yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing all of that. 
Moving forward in your life, I know it's impossible to predict the future, but do you see anything changing? Oh, um, I think I kind of, I mean, change is inevitable. Like if, if 2020 taught me anything, it is that I can, I cannot, there, there's very little in this world that I can control. Um, and yeah, change is inevitable. And so of course everything will change. Um, I, I anticipate Ryan and I to definitely undergo a few more iterations before we settle on a happy medium. Cause I can still feel that relationship kind of having this like latent tension and like sort of like unresolved conflict. And so I think, and I, you know, it might be, it's yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't have nice, easy, neat answers on that. It's something I lie awake at night about and think about a lot. Um, and, you know, Nestor and I are hoping to buy a house soon or property soon or maybe even building on like a, an apartment style addition onto his parents' house. But we're, we're, we're looking to get out of the rental game and move into like property ownership of some kind here in the next three to five years. So that'll be a big change and a, a big commitment. And, you know, cause and man, I've got issues with commitment. I don't know if any of that became obvious and apparent, but I'm, I'm definitely one to turn tail and run when things get a little too real. Um, and, uh, so uh, like overriding that impulse, uh, with Nestor has been a really good, good for me. Cause I've always been pleasantly surprised. Um, with, I'm de- certainly not looking to take on any new partners. I definitely tap out at like, two and a half, um, really and truly. I'm really looking forward to spending more time on myself. Uh, I haven't been like radically single since I was like 13 years old. There have been times where uh, Ryan was my only partner and he was in New Orleans and I was in Tennessee and I was kind of functioning like a single person, but you know, with my husband in New Orleans. Um, and, and that time was really good for me. And I kind of got the taste of like, man, being single is kind of awesome. And like, I can do what, like have all the time for all my hobbies and I have lots of them. And so, uh, yeah, like learning to like dating myself in so many ways or taking time for myself. And when I do take the time to like replenish, I have more energy and time for other people. Um, and so rather than just feeling like running on burnout constantly, Um, And so that is, that is certainly a lesson I want to take with me moving into the future is, you know, knowing when my reserves are tapped and when I need to take a step back and when I need to not being afraid to say no to some social engagement or social function. Um, And so that, that's definitely a change that I'm, I'm intentionally trying to cultivate. I'm the witch in me is all about creating intention and, and manifesting new existences. Um, and so that that's, you know, one big change I want to try. I'm, I'm a, a kind of a wonder lusty human. I've got a, a camper van that I'm wanting to take out different places as soon as it's fixed up and ready to go. And so who knows what the next six months holds for me? Uh, you know, I've got this, I've got this boy scout job. And so I know I'm employed until August 10th of this year. And then I don't know what I'm doing until the end of the year employment wise. Um, I do know I am looking to, uh, definitely kind of shift out of that a little bit. And, uh, like I said, I want to get more involved in outdoor education. So getting my wilderness first responder license is a big priority for me in 2021. That's something I want to do before the end of the year. 
but yeah, I'm, I'm really just along for this ride like in so many ways. Uh, I want to experience people. I want to experience myself. I want to experience what the world has to offer. Like so many views and so many sunsets and all the mountains to climb. And I, I just want to do it till the day I die. Um, and you know, so anticipating change. Yes. What those changes may be. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I love I, it. I think that your approach and the, the way that you summed that up is very similar to the way Ryan kind of summed up his uh, way he moves through the world. And I think maybe just as an outsider, like I feel like those, that's a very, that, that piece is something that I think binds two people together. Like your ability to look at life and say like, we're here for a certain amount of time. We're going to enjoy it. And we're going to, we're a big piece of that is who we have in our lives. And I'm going to bring the, the right people in and I'm going to keep the right, the, the wrong people out. And we're just going to enjoy it for what, what it is. I think that like finding those people is not, not, e- not easy. I mean, there's so many people who want to keep up with the Joneses and the rat race and the, like what so worried about what their neighbor's doing and how their neighbor's doing it rather than like, realizing that like their neighbor's probably not that happy and that car they own, they don't actually own. And that house that they think they own, they don't actually own. And that TV, they might not even own their own TV. Like it might be a rental TV. Like there's just so many, like this facade and I don't know, just. Oh yeah. And I I am certainly like, that is something that exhausts me so much uh, is the, the facade and the pretending and the like, small talk at a social gathering that I have to do and engage in. And it says, I'm just, I'm not about it. I'm not, uh, I don't, I feel like I had to pretend who I, what to pretend to be someone who I wasn't for so many years of my life that I am just done pretending. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, love it or leave it. I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm the one who has to make peace with myself and believe me, I've, stared down every demon like there ain't there's nothing you can be like yo brie you're like the i'll be like yeah i know i i, I know. i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and, and i appreciate the candor right and like the, mm-hmm. the the transparency there and the honesty with yourself like early on in this conversation you're like yeah you know ryan was head over heels for me and i ate it up and i loved it and then i took advantage of it and then i hurt him and then it hurt me and like like those are things that people would easily be able to like try to explain away and be like, well, no, I didn't really take, you know, you know, I didn't really do that. And you're kind of like, nope, I did. And like, no, I absolutely did. And it is one of the biggest life lessons I think I have learned to date is like, you know, how to not hurt the people you love. Um, or at least, you know, how to try to not to hurt the people you love. Sometimes it, it you know, we all fuck up and things are inevitable, but um, you know, and yeah. Uh, and that is something with Ryan that does give me a lot of like deep security in that relationship is that we have been through so much. Like I just, there's, there's no conceivable universe to me where I don't love him and he doesn't love me. And that, you know, I don't know really what that means. Cause I have no plans to move to, back to new Orleans and he has no plans to move to Tennessee, but we'll see each other as often as we can and talk to each other as often as we can. And, you know, I, I love 
getting all the updates on his life. I love hearing about everything that he's up to. And, and I adore the people that are around him too. Every time I go down to visit new Orleans, like I'm so excited to see house spouse and L and the couch surfing roommate. I would scoop, scoop that couch surfing room up roommate up with me and take them to Tennessee if they'd let me. Um, like, you know, like we're just, we've been, we've been, and it's one of those things we've been orbiting Ryan for so long. And we were like kind of shoved adjacent up to each other for so long. And there was a moment where like they were in the bathtub and I was taking a shit and it was like, and we did not even like care. No one was awkward at all. And it was like, yep, we've known each other for a long time. (laughs) Wow. That is a level we have not even gone no, to that level. No. Yeah, and we've never had sex, this roommate and I. Like, we've, we've never, never, like, crossed those barriers. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's beyond sex. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and, like, that's the level of closeness. Like, it, it might be weird to sleep with each other at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's the level of comfort. That's hilarious. Uh, oh, man. I think, and not that I couldn't talk to you forever, but I think that's, like, the perfect place to leave it. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, like yeah. a sh- like shitting and well, Someone else your, in the bath. your partner's roommates in the bath. Like I don't know, that's perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, it was one of it was definitely one of those moments that we were both very hungover and like it was kind of out of necessity for both of us. But like, yeah, the awkwardness was not weird. <laughs> it was not weird. Stranger things have happened uh, in Ryan's house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Oh, I could only imagine. Yeah, those potlucks are going to be fun, right? Um, right. I would say, (laughs) I would say again, thank you, Brie, for being here. Um, Is there anything? Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been an honor. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share with the world? We want to give you that opportunity um, before we let you get along with with, your Friday. Yeah, hang out with your parents. Yeah. um, I don't know. Uh, You know, my my biggest really like revelation in all of this is that like, I have to love myself and not like any sort of like sort of superficial, like, you know, I'm, I'm in love with myself, but like, no, I have to accept myself, my dark side, my shadow self, like flaws and all and be like, okay, this is the person who I am. And if it's not the person that I want to be, then how do I work toward changing that. Um, And so really like, and so much of that required just like honest, genuine introspection of me sitting down with a journal and figuring out who am I? Um, And once I started to put some of those puzzle pieces together, my relationships and polyamory got a lot easier um, like my relationship with Ryan got easier. My relationship with uh, my relationship with Nestor has always been easy. He kind of came along right as I was figuring all of that out. Um, and, and, you know, and being able to like renegotiate my relationships, my relationship with bear and all the subsequent people who I may meet after this, you know, it gets, it gets easier every time. And it really did start with like radical love and radical self-acceptance and, really not putting on the responsibility for my partners to solve uh, my problems. And so, yeah, not, not that I like y'all are running an advice podcast or anything, but like, that would be my, my bit of advice to all your listeners out there. No, I think it's amazing. And I think the, the, 
And this can be an advice podcast. We can do whatever we want. The, the punch, <laughs> the punchline here is that like everybody, somebody takes something away from every episode. Um, exactly. And so you have unknowingly been giving advice the whole time. And I think that's what's <laughs> powerful about this. So thank you. Yes. And some people resonate with it and some people won't. And that's the whole point of our whole show is to get as many different stories and opinions and thoughts and advice out there. So, All right. Well, I have a 24 yeah. hour drive to New Mexico. So I'm hoping to delve into some more of your episodes. I think I'm going to start with Zach's episode and go from there. Awesome. That is, yeah. uh, if you haven't, if you, if you don't know Zach, you will. Uh... I I love and adore Zach. Um, like he he, we've been friends. I mean, he's come to my small town Tennessee and used gotcha. it as a way station on his travels and met all my my hippie people and had a good old time. Yeah, no, I I love Zach. He's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I yeah, and for anybody else listening, uh, that's not a not a bad way to go either. Like, <laughs> um, it is yeah. a fascinating story. So. Yeah, th- thank you, Bree, again for being here. Uh, Ryan, if you're listening, thank you. Yes, thank you uh, for putting us in touch, and we're just we're excited to get the story out there, and we're excited to have you come work at Camp NNM someday, whenever yeah. it exists. Whenever well, it hit exists. me up, I'll come cook for y'all. Come uh, teach your kids about teach people about trees. <laughs> that's that's what we need. Yes. So. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. All right. Y'all too. Have a good one. And we're back. Thank you so much, Bree, for coming on and sharing your story. It was absolutely wonderful to talk to you. And just, we're yeah, we're honored that you were willing to share everything you did and be real about all of the struggles too. Yeah. And again, we're excited to have you come cook for us at our yeah. Uh, adventure Resort once we get that up and running. So thank you. And uh, we're excited for that. So again, thank you for coming on. And thank you, Ryan, for putting us in touch with Bree. Yes. Again, and Ryan's episode is 181. Yes. All right. Well, one more quick, huge, giant thank you to the Patreon supporters and the Patreon community. Thank you all. You mean the world to us. If you're interested, again, in building community, we can't recommend this enough because we get so much out of it. Yes. Um, but yes, check it out. Head over to the Patreon tab on our website or in the show notes of your podcast player. See if it think or if you think it's a good fit for you. Check it out. Uh, we'd love to have you. If it doesn't work out, we're okay. It's okay. You can yeah. you can move on. No worries. We'll, we won't be offended. We don't get offended as much as we used to. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> bit, maybe. Um, so Not yeah, really. Again, thank you <laughs> for checking that out. We hope everybody has an amazing rest of your week. Next week we have a fantastic conversation with, with Sarah and Keith. With Sarah and Keith. So come back in one week and check it out. Yes, and until then, have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.